first of all, thank you very much, uh, Jonathan and MT MCTV, to, uh, for having me here today. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, well, I uh, grew up in, uh, I was born in New York, grew up in New Jersey on a small farm to immigrant parents, and uh, I had a very, very uh, nice childhood, I'd say, grew up growing up there uh, and uh, involved in lots of community things, lots of 4-H clubs. Then I went off to the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York, the U.S. Uh, Merchant Marine Academy, where I learned marine engineering, and that was really the big kickoff to my career. Uh, uh, I worked in uh, in Manhattan for a uh, ship design company, and uh, spent a lot of time uh, traveling around the world, several years in the Far East and uh, in Japan and Korea and all other places in the world. Uh, Traveling on ships, but also uh, in shipyards building ships. Uh, so it was a great start to my career. So how do you how does someone with a marine engineering background go into business, you know, consulting and coaching <laughs> strategy? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't really understand it back then as well as I understand it now, because I understand myself better through a lot of the things that I'm doing currently. But I, um, without really thinking about it as much, but uh, I just realized I didn't enjoy the engineering work as much as I thought I would, uh, sort of going through college. I was very good at it. I'm good at math. All those things came easy to me. But I really appreciated working with people and, and really understanding business. So uh, it really came about because a friend of mine's sister gave him a copy of Business Week magazine, and the centerfold was all the business schools and how much money people make when they graduate from business school. And we looked at each other and we said, we should go to business school. <laughs> That's how it really got started. But uh, so, so how did you get into the coaching realm? I know you did a lot of strategy work and you know consulting work prior to. Mm. Well, after business school, I took a job with a Boston consulting group uh, over in Germany, and uh, and which was great for me because it was like a, I'd say it was a three-year continuation of my two-year MBA at Harvard. You know, I just had a like a, a five-year MBA experience then because lots of different businesses and different cases. And, and I really uh, took on to this concept of doing business strategy and working with leaders, helping them figure out different things to do. And so from there, I was with uh, Coca-Cola also over in Germany. And then I worked here in the U.S. We, we moved back here after our, our kids were – I met my wife in Germany. And kids were born when we were living in Berlin. And then we uh, moved back to the United States when the kids were still very young, and I worked with at Textron in Providence, Rhode Island, doing strategy work. So I really enjoyed doing sort of business strategy. But what I recognized after having done that for uh, almost 20 years, that what I really liked was the conversations, the interaction with the leaders, much more than doing the actual strategy work. So it's a little bit like back why I didn't like I could do the engineering work, but it wasn't my passion. It wasn't what I really loved. And I did a bit of an exercise, which is to identify what are things you know you're good at, and then what are your passions, and where they overlap. That's where I came up with, you know, coaching. It's coaching. It's facilitation. Those things, you know, just sitting down with business leaders and working with them and helping them out. That's where I, I really thrive. That's what I really love to do. Going back to Germany, was that a place you wanted to go, or is it, you know, you just kind of got assigned there? So. Oh, that's uh, it's an interesting question. Well, my parents were German citizens when I was born, so I, I was allowed to get a German passport, So uh, which I didn't get until I was in business school. So I was 30 the first time I actually had my German passport. 
and that uh, that opened up a lot of doors for me because then getting a job in Europe was easy because I didn't need work permits. Any I was hired as a local, and so I thought, oh, I have so many German relatives. I've only ever been there as a tourist. I should be there as an adult and, and live there and really understand the country better. So that was my main reason. I had other job offers that would have been international but based in the U.S., and I thought that would be the perfect thing, just be in Europe. And it was great. I traveled all through Europe during that uh, 10 years that we were there. Awesome. So what is Professional Business Coaches? Well, we are a coaching organization, but we do more than just coaching. Uh, and uh, so we coach business owners, we coach executives, uh, which means we help them determine their best path forward. What, what is the right thing they need to be doing right now? So we don't tell people what to do. It's not a consulting firm. So we're not hired to give people expert advice on this is the next thing you should do. It's more we work with them, help them come up with the right answers to the questions, usually through asking them really good questions. And a lot of times we're sharing templates and materials and we do training and, and things. But it's a lot of it is they already sort of know a lot about what they want to do, but they're just not able to get there. Something's holding them back. And, uh, and that's, that's what we do as, uh, as coaches. What about, I know there's other aspects you guys do, but I know group training's a big thing and yes. kind of evaluation development stuff. You've worked with us here at MCTV on that. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so we do. So, so usually the core of our business, we tend to start with, sometimes it's not the case, but most of the time we're starting with coaching either a business owner or an executive in a company. And then they say, geez, my team could use some of this. And so then we'll do... Uh, We'll do a team-building exercise. We use a lot of different assessment tools, and uh, a common one that we work on is a DISC analysis, which is a behavioral assessment. So we'll use that uh, to help people better understand um, themselves and be able to work better with others. And then sometimes we'll be, uh, we'll be asked to do strategic planning off-site meetings like we did here with uh, MCTV last year. Uh, we'll, we'll facilitate strategic planning sessions, team building sessions, training sessions, lots of different activities like that that businesses uh, need help with. I can imagine it must be difficult initially working with like executives and leaders because these are people that are high-powered, highly successful, and in a way they're, they're almost saying, like, I need help. It's, it must be in some ways like a sign of weakness. What's, what's that like working with them or getting that initial you know, thing going? It's interesting that you mentioned sort of like a sign of weakness. It, it's, it's mostly that um, it's because sometimes it's seen that way. Oh, well, you know, it, he, he, I guess he needs one. <laughs> yeah. But almost every Fortune 500 CEO has a coach. Okay. So, and, and I don't think you can, you can find a single professional athlete that doesn't have at least one coach, right? Most of them have multiple coaches. Right. So it's a proven thing, that a concept that works. And it works because sometimes we need some help identifying the things that we're doing and uh, are they correct? Am, am, I, am I thinking this through correctly? I'd say a, a lot of the time when we're working with our clients, it's about be, it's, it's being a sounding board to them. It's them bouncing some ideas off. What do you think? I'm just struggling with this decision. This way, this way, you know, how do I look at this? And then we'll, we'll help them by reframing the situation. Well, what have, have you thought about it from this angle? Have you thought through what's going to happen in each of these different scenarios? And then we're usually 
really able to help them. And I can't tell you how many times we end a coaching session with, wow, I'm so glad we spoke today. This was so helpful. You know, because we, we start out with, I'm just a little bit stuck here. Basically, you know, the higher you go up on the organization, the less and less people you have to go to actually to ask for help. Or you Sometimes it, it depends on whether people can really be vulnerable. And, it's, and the key to successful leadership is being able to be vulnerable. And not many people can do that easily. And so we don't like to look like we don't know what we're talking about with our staff, with our peers, with our boss. We want to always look like, well, we have all the answers, right? And so it's hard to open up that way for people. But with a coach, they completely open up to us about everything that's going on. You've used the term we a bit, so is it? It's, so it's not just you. That's correct, yeah. So the name of the company is Plural, Professional Business Coaches, for a reason. So I have uh, other coaches that work with me. Some, uh, so uh, Philip has been with me the longest, uh, uh, and then I have other coaches that I've, uh, I bring in on, on certain assignments, and I'm always looking to grow. So uh, if uh, I'm uh, looking for the right person, though, it's not just anybody that wants to be a coach, but uh, I've had as many as five, six people at a time uh, when we've had some really large clients. I belong to a, an alliance of coaches. There's over 100 of us in North America. In fact, I'm going to a conference next week uh, to, uh, to an annual conference for them. But um, uh, that's a, a great group of coaches, and I often go to that group when I need extra help on larger clients or I have too many clients and I need some help. So I will, uh, I will add them to my roster. Is there one thing you do more than others? Is there one part of the profession that you, you tend to do more frequently? You know, I'd say the most common thing we're working on is emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence tends to be the most highly correlated factor with success. And what, we're, what we tend to work on is self-awareness. So many times people are just not aware that what they're saying or doing is having a particular reaction with people. They just don't get the reaction. And so it's about understanding yourself, controlling yourself, and then reading other people so that you can meet their needs. Uh, a, a phrase we often use is, and it's a term that was uh, coined by uh, Dr. Tony Alessandra, is the platinum rule. So most people are familiar with the golden rule, right, which is to treat others as you wish to be treated. Well, the problem is, most people won't like to be treated exactly like I like to be treated. And so we're all different. We all have different behavioral styles, personality types, and so forth. So the key is to really be successful is to understand where's that person coming from and how do I need to treat them so that they really appreciate me. They want to work with me. They're going to open up to me, right? We're going to have a much better relationship than if I just say, well, everybody's just got to be like me. I mean, I like it, so everybody should like it. And that's a... That's a, an area that we spend a lot of time on, and it's, it's common throughout po the population. I yeah. would say most people struggle with this. And it's, but it is, it is a real key to success. When you look at the most successful business leaders, there's a very high correlation with their level of emotional intelligence. Uh, what about some of the tools you use in coaching? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So we have 
whole library of tools that some that we've developed on our own, but mostly we've um, uh, taken from the alliance that we're part of. That's why we joined the alliance in the first place to get a whole uh, uh, set of great coaching tools, whether they're templates and spreadsheets and ways of analyzing uh, the business from uh, from all aspects um, and uh, helping people think through goal setting or doing a strategic planning meeting or those kind of things. And then we license uh, other tools that we use for specific things, and most of them are assessment kind of tools. So we license uh, a whole suite of tools from Wiley, uh, which is the um, Everything Disk brand of tools, which are disk analyses. That's what I've been talking about, which is uh, a behavioral tool dividing us up into different groups, but really helping us understand which, how to how to react inside of that, what to do with that, uh, and then. They have a tool, PXT Select, which is a hiring assessment tool, which is awesome, which helps you hire people that are going to be a good fit. And so you see a percentage fit for what you're looking for, but you also get interview questions, which are very helpful to probe the person and make sure you're really getting who you want to get. Then for salespeople, we use a tool called the from a company called the Objective Management Group, which is only for sales because salespeople are very different in so many ways, especially when you're trying to hire people. And so that's an awesome tool. It's the only one of its kind that has a predictive validity index. So it's 92% accurate in picking winners when hiring salespeople. So it's, it's a very powerful tool. Then we use a tool which is uh, licensed uh, through uh, Patrick Lencioni from his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, which is one of the most popular business books of all time. And... Um, uh, that's called the five, uh, uh, five Behaviors of a Cohesive Team, uh, which is a great team analysis tool that we use to really understand how can we get work better together. And, uh, and we use Emotional Intelligence 2.0 and StrengthsFinder and many others in, in smaller ways, depending on what the client needs. Yeah. Talk to me about DISC. This is something that you and I have talked about a little bit in the past. I know you've done some sessions with groups I'm involved with about it. Yeah, so uh, I love using the DISC tool. There's many different versions of this. It, it, it originally came uh, from Carl Jung, who was a psychiatrist back in the day with Freud and Jung. Those were the two main psychiatrists back over 100 years ago that sort of defined uh, the, what we think of in that field of human study today. And uh, in the 50s, uh, a, a man by the name of Martzen uh, took that that uh, concept and turned it into a questionnaire that you could actually analyze people with a fairly short set of questions and size up where they fit in to a very simple model. So uh, on the, uh, the vertical axis is basically how extroverted or introverted someone is. And on the horizontal axis, if they are more people-oriented or more task-oriented. And, and uh, this is an over, oversimplification, but that's basically what we're thinking about. So sort of an outgoing, bold kind of extroverted person, or are they more calm and, 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 and reserved and introverted? And so when we know where somebody fits out on that, if they're more at the top, more at the bottom, and then if they're more people-oriented means they care about the people 
more than the job they're working on. They want to work on a specific team with a specific group of people. Or are they on the other side of the spectrum more, you know, they're kind of agnostic as to who they work with, but they have to do this particular job. They really want to have this job done. And they're very challenging about the work as opposed to empathetic about the people. And so just by um, understanding where people fall out on these sim two simple dimensions, you can sort of size people up into the D as the dominant style. That's the extroverted, task-oriented people. Your extroverted, people-oriented people are influencers. That's me. Uh, and then you have the uh, people-oriented uh, introverts. Uh, uh, those, are, uh, those people are very steady. It's a steadiness style. And then you have the conscientious people are the ones who are very task-oriented and introverted, care about the, the numbers, um, uh, the Ds, the dominant, they want to be right, they want to get it moving fast, get it done now, right? The I's want to have fun, enthusiastic, let's get it done, but let's do it collaboratively. Uh, and the uh, the S's are very polite, and it's, you know, keep it, they're very uh, cautious about stepping on anybody's toes, and they want to take it easy. So these four styles, um, and I just did a quick overview, probably anybody listening to this could imagine, oh, I guess that makes me an I, or that makes me an S, but... There's a lot more to it. It's a lot more to it, and we have the, the thing I love about the Wiley tools that we use is why I selected that tool, is they're the only ones that I know of in the industry that's using computer adaptive testing. So as you go through the questionnaire, the, it asks you more and more questions to, in case you've answered any question two different ways, and it really gets an accurate result. And, uh, and then so once you have that, you know where you're at, then we use it. Uh, turn the tool around and say, okay, now imagine, you know, use the tool to imagine what somebody else's style is. And now once you know that, now what are the strategies and tactics we need to implement in order to meet them where they are? And we give them really practical tools to work with. I can't tell you how many times people have said this has completely changed their relationship with someone else in the workplace or outside the workplace, but uh, we focus mostly on work relationships, but how when they just approach somebody with the style that they're expecting to get, how it just works. And they say, yes, okay, boss, thanks a lot. We got that. Versus they would struggle for such a long time <laughs> with that individual. So, Is there a typical client or clients, you know, like someone you generally work with? Well, we have two main types of clients. So we have our business owners is a, the more than half of our, I'd say around half of our clients are actual business owners or partners in a business. And then the other half of our clients are executive coaching clients, which are executives working in a bigger company. And it's a slightly different approach how we work with each of those. But, the, but a lot of the basics, things that we're doing are exactly the same because the problems they have are pretty much the same. The solutions are different sometimes. They have different levers that they can pull as a business owner versus an executive in a business. Is there, when you're coaching a person or with a business, is there like a standard time period you generally work with them with? Yeah, that's a great question. So the business owners, it's open-ended. We've had some clients since we started. Uh, so I've had them for years now. Uh, we've been around for 12 years, and I've got some clients that are on the 10-year mark now as business owners because those are the people that are like your CEO of a Fortune 500 company that has a coach. There's always so much happening. There's uh, business is constantly changing that.
they just need somebody at their side to always be checking with and bouncing ideas off of. And, oh, by the way, there's a new challenge. We have new employees. We need another team-building thing. We have this department is new. They've all changed. There's constantly something new happening so that they need us. The executive coaching, on the other hand, tends to be six to nine months. Most companies uh, think of a coaching engagement as a short-term this person could use some help in their career. I was a beneficiary of that. That's how I got to know coaching in the first place. When I was at Textron, I had a, I got a, a big promotion, and they said, would you like to have an executive coach? And I said, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I learned it very well. It was a great, a great experience for me, really. You know, having been, been coached, that's how I, that's how I just it's got to know because it. You know, it, it, you're creating someone, like an accountability person, as well as like someone that you can bounce things off of outside of the company. Yeah. You know, there's maybe things that you probably can't say to someone you work with or the way you're, you know, how you feel about it, whereas someone outside you could, like a coach, you could work with and say those things too and hash those things out. That's a great point. And you mentioned the word accountability. I don't know that I mentioned that yet, but that is also a big part of it. That So at the end of each coaching session, we always have a to-do list. Okay, so between now and the next time we're going to get together – what are, th- what are you going to do? What are the items you're going to work on? And we always come up with a short list. can't be too long or it's not going to happen. Uh, nobody's tackling 85 things in a week, right? Uh, but, you know, three to five things usually we have on our list. And that holds them accountable because they know, okay, oh, next week I don't want to look bad when I meet with the coach. I want to make sure I get this done. So there's a little bit of that. But mostly it's helping them break down this m- massive amount of work they have in front of them into a couple of clear action steps that I that we really focus on clarity to make sure it's not just some nebulous thing, we're going to grow next week, right? No, no. We're, I'm going to speak to this client. I'm going to talk to this individual. I'm going to do this a piece of analysis, right? It's a, it's a very concrete piece of work. And they feel good about themselves when they come in a week later and say, I got it done. This is great. And it, and it really helped me to move me to this next level. And then it's one step at a time like that we make, can make some enormous progress. When you work with business or when you first come into working with a, like an executive or a business, is there one kind of big common issue you always run into? Well, one of the biggest issues tends to be personnel issues, right? It's people. It's we have a problem, right? We've got this employee that I just don't know what to do with. And, uh, or we don't have any employees. We need to hire somebody, right? We have got a hole. But so much of the time, it is, it is based on employees. And a lot of the other problems are because of some employee issue, right? So if we don't have the right systems in place, we don't have the right processes, it's because we don't have the people to do that, right? Uh, and so a lot of it starts with we've got to get the right team in place, and they've got to be working well together. And then we can layer on a lot of the other things. It's rare that we'll start with a client and they'll have no employee issues. Like, no, everything, all those are fine. And, and, that's, and it happens. It happens sometimes. And then we're working on other things like systems and processes and that kind of stuff. What's something easy a business can do to improve? Is there that one simple thing? As a leader, probably the simplest thing is listening. Too often we're talking and not listening, really listening to what our employees are saying to us. Uh, it's the number one thing in leadership, right, that people get wrong a lot because they think, well, I just got to bark out the orders and they just have to do it, right? Yeah. Um, 
Is there one particular area of your practice you enjoy more than others? You know, I really like the meeting facilitation stuff, like what we did uh, a couple of months ago, because I'm a people person, so that's the thing I like the most is when I get to be on stage doing a training session like a DISC debrief. I've got one next week. I'm very excited about 35 people. And, uh, you know, it, it's fun to do those kind of things or like leading a strategic planning offsite meeting and seeing the lights go on when people are like, oh, I get it. Oh, that makes sense. Let's do this, do this. I just did a retreat last weekend, which was a lot of fun. So I, I just love doing those kind of things. That leads me into my next thing. Like talk about some of the other events you do. I know you, you know, you, you do courses, you do Talk about that stuff. Yeah. Well, we do um, other training. So I also license uh, a training methodology in sales. I do some sales training. I have a a couple of courses that I've developed on leadership training, management training, uh, coaching training. And I, lo- I love to, uh, to run those classes. And for networking groups, we have a group called South Shore Professional Roundtable, which is uh, the third Thursday of every month. It was a lunch meeting, but since COVID, it's, it's gone to Zoom. So some people wanted to go back to a lunch meeting. I hope we can do that soon because it was nice as a lunch meeting. But, but I must say I'm, I'm getting a little lazy, and sometimes <laughs> it is pretty convenient just to flip on the computer, and right. here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there, there are some aspects where it's nice to flip the group, but I think there's a lot of people out there that miss that person-to-person yeah. interaction. Yeah, and having a reason to go out and meet mm-hmm. people for different people for lunch every month. So it's it's a uh, it's a small. We have about 180 people. It's a meetup group, and but we get uh, all different numbers of people show up, and it's it's different every month. But it's but it's fun doing it. We do a business different business topics. So I write a monthly newsletter. And usually that's the topic of our lunch is just discussing uh, the newsletter. Yesterday we talked about uh, about um, automated systems uh, for uh, emplo- for customers as well as employees, sort of self-service systems that companies can can put in. It was a very good uh, very good discussion about that. Why should someone work with a business coach? Well, usually people are just stuck, so they they see the opportunity in front of them, and they just can't get it done. They're working, typically they're working too many hours, and they just can't add another hour a week that's going to make it make the difference. And they recognize they're kind of treading water. You know, they're just sort of stuck in place. They're doing an awful lot of activity, and it's just not getting them to where they want to go. Or they're looking to transition out of their business. About half of our clients right now are exit planning clients. So these are business owners that uh, are looking to sell the company in a year, in two years, in five years, but they're on that, they're in, it's that time in their lives when they're realizing, I, I, you know, I need to retire out of this business, so how do we get this in the right position so that we, so that the business continues successfully after they leave and that they get paid well for it? Yeah. Um, what separates you from other business coaches out there? I would say, um, with uh, Philip and I, and also many of the other coaches that, that, that we've uh, had, uh, that we have a very broad business experience. So there's almost nothing that we haven't seen before, right? right? So, this, I mean, everything is new all the time. We have never had two clients that are exactly the same. Of course, every business is different. Every person is different. But, but we have a broad business background, and uh, that really helps us dive into pretty much every area that that they need some help on. Now, we're not experts everywhere, but 
both of us also have a very strong referral network. So I'm part of other networking groups, and, and I have some, uh, and because I've been doing this now uh, so long, be through the chambers of commerce, like the Marshfield Chamber, the South Shore Chamber, the Plymouth Chamber, um, and the networking groups, I'm part of a really awesome group called Network 128, we have some very strong referral partners. So I know when I'm when I've reached the limits of my capabilities on advising on that, and now the next thing I can do is advise them on the questions to ask when they're going to pick a CPA, a lawyer, a marketing person, whatever they might need, I'll help them make sure they're making the right choices because they'll know kind of the right questions to ask. Which is great because you talk about partners. So in business, we know it's all about partner referrals. Who are the best partners for you? Yeah, so businesses that are um, that are involved with other business leaders that have that can recognize when someone needs help. I think sometimes people are just more transactional and they're not even getting into asking those kinds of questions. They don't even maybe even recognize when a business might need help. But there are people who are who are these trusted advisor types that are, you know, it's, it's financial advisors, it's business brokers, it's, um, uh, it's bankers, commercial bankers. So people who are kind of in the deal flow with a client where they, where they get, get to know their clients, CPAs, right? They're really working with them well, and they understand this person could do so much better. Like this company could really grow. They're just not getting their act together. They're using antiquated processes, right? They're stuck. They're, they haven't grown very much, even though the market's growing. They're losing market share, right? Uh, those, those kind of people that, that kind of, that are able to develop that relationship with their clients that they know, ah, this person could really use help. You mentioned networking and groups and stuff like yeah. that. You're someone I see a lot at networking events. <laughs> we run into each other a lot there. So for those that don't realize it, how important is well, it depends a little bit on your disc style, right? Okay. So uh, people who are very extroverted need it because we need to get we need to get that contact with other people. So it's a it's something that I do because I really enjoy getting out and meeting people, and uh, uh, and it's important to make those connections. So for others that might not be as as uh, eager to get out and meet people as I am. Uh, being uh, uh, being out there is important to to see who else is there. What are, what are what are other people? The serendipity. If you're asking, if you're out in the opening, out in the open, asking people for things, you tend to find them. You tend to get them. And just sort of hiding behind your computer. If if you can't do it any other way, then that's the way to do it, right? There are some people who absolutely have a very hard time in public like that. And for them, okay, they'll have to do lots of uh, marketing, social media marketing. There are other ways to get to get your word out. Um, but uh, for people like me, it's, it's very uh, important to be out there meeting people, getting to talk to other people. And I've really grown my network. As you say, I, I, I go to a lot of events, well, at least pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> What's that one go-to success story about a client? You know, the one that you think about, you're like, I really did a great job working with that mm. client. Let me think. I have several of those, but I have one. So I have. Uh, I was just talking about this uh, yesterday to someone uh, at, at, at the organization. So I have an executive coaching client where 
he was just promoted to being running the largest division of the company, and this is about a $600 million division. So it's a pretty sizable piece of business, and it was this company's largest division. And just after they made that announcement, their, their number one customer, the biggest customer, threw him off the property, said, this man is not allowed to be on our property again. So there was a bit of tension. <laughs> so what he, what he didn't realize was, all the work he had been doing to get himself elevated in the organization, and he was smart, he always had the right answers, he got things done, he worked long hours, he elbowed his way kind of to the top. What he didn't realize was, now that he's at the top, he can't do that anymore. It, this is over. He's now at the top job. There's nobody to elbow out of the way, uh, except the CEO, one level higher, but now he needs to actually have real relationships. And he had burned all the bridges on his way up. So this was a very tenuous position that he was in. And the company was like, well, we don't know. We're betting a lot on this guy because we know he's brilliant. And we know he has an amazing way of solving problems and getting stuff done. But he is just so rough around the edges. And I worked with him for about uh, almost a year, I'd say. And it was one of the biggest transformations I've experienced in someone. So the, what, he rec what he didn't realize was that he doesn't need to have all the credit for everything that happens in his department. So one of the things um, that they would do a, a, a quarterly all-hands meeting, bring the whole company together and report out on all the great things that happened. And it was his show. It was just it was a monologue for an hour and a half about, and I did this, and I did this, and I got this done, and I got this done, and I got now this contract. And it was... And, and everybody in the audience was cringing because they're like, I did that project, right? You almost had nothing to do with that one. That was all me, right? And, and, uh, and he didn't make many friends. So, uh, uh, so we talked a lot about that, and, he, and we did a 360 analysis, so he really got some very candid feedback from people who said this directly, right? You can't do this, right? Like, stop. Be more inclusive. Involve everybody else. And he completely switched his game. And he became the MC at all these meetings. He didn't say, he only said a few words. He would say like, oh, next I'd, I'd like to everybody congratulate Jonathan. He did an amazing job last quarter. Jonathan, tell everybody what you did. And, and done, off the stage, and let that individual have the, have the, have the limelight. And it totally changed his approach. He became much more open to people. He really had to work at it because he was very quick to jump back to his old ways. But uh, that was a big success story. And now he's the CEO of the company. So he did end up getting a, a, a notch higher. But uh, that, was, that was a great story. If you have time, I have, uh, if we have time, I, I, I have one other. Really, just came to mind another really fun story about a business owner in transition. When I met the business owner, and this was a referral from a, a janitorial company, right? So I was just saying good referral sources. Well, sometimes it's just people who have have their ear open for what's going on, right? So, um, uh, and anyway, he uh, he wants to sell the business, and, uh, and he, but he had had a, an awful transition ten years earlier when he sold his company, and the, and it was an awful mess. It got sold to a big conglomerate. They ripped it apart. They destroyed it, yeah. and he was very he was so disappointed that. This business that he had built up over 20 years was disintegrated over a few years by a few awful decisions by senior management. And he said, look, I, I, now I've restarted a similar company, and I want to, 10 years later, I want to sell this, but I don't want that to happen. And now, by the way, my son, 
is in his early 30s, and I want him to have a job. Now, I know my son's not going to be able to run this thing, but I at least want to make sure the business is stable enough that he has a permanent job. And, and so that was the starting point. Fast forward four years later, dad sells the business, guess what, to the son. The son is now running the business. And uh, the, the thing was, they were two totally different pers- personalities. So dad was this gregarious, in-your-face, kind of pump-in-the-flesh-of-the-customer type. And the son was more of an introvert, but a process guy. And he had all these amazing ideas about how to improve the, pro- the company's processes. They were using completely antiquated systems in the business. And he was implementing all these new ideas. So we're at the at the annual conference, and I finally meet the mom for the first time, right? Yeah. And, um, and she comes up to me, gives me a big hug and a kiss, tells me how much she loves me, and that they talk about me all the time. And she said, thank you for bringing my boys back together again. You know? And I thought, wow, that was so worth all the t- time and effort I put into working with these guys. Because Dad had no, um, uh, no trust that his son in his son's abilities that he could possibly do it and wasn't letting him try even. And, and the son was totally capable. And when he realized his son could actually do this, it was amazing. And, and now I, I still coach the son. This is probably uh, now three years I've been working with him. And the company's fine. Everything is just like growing, continue to grow. Everything's working great. But awesome. that was a really good success story. Yeah. And that's why I do coaching because I love these kind of awesome yeah. success stories. <laughs> so – around what's the best piece of uh, piece of advice you've been given business wise so the best piece of advice came to me about um, two years into my practice when I was I was not hitting it out of the park from day one it, it was a struggle uh, I had never built a business from scratch before and uh, and so I had a coach um, uh, from through this alliance that I'm a each other, and uh, and he gave me a simple system, and this is, I often talk about things like this with my clients, because you don't always need a very complicated system to make something work. Sometimes the simpler, the better, and sometimes just a very simple idea can have very profound impact, and it was simply to create a weekly calendar where I would list all of my client appointments. And then I would sum up on the right-hand side how much, how many of these are recurring clients, like weekly kind of recurring. How much is it one-off kind of maybe a seminar or something? And then add up those totals and then compare that to what my goal is. And at the bottom of the calendar, write in of all the networking events and other marketing events you're doing this week, what do you expect to achieve money revenue-wise from the, all those activities and add that column up, and those numbers need to, that number needs to be bigger than what your gap is from where you are and where you want to go. So I set up this very simple one-page thing that I wrote every week religiously, <laughs> and we, I discussed it with him every week in our coaching calls, and it made all the difference. Because I finally put my arms around networking. You talked about the value of networking, but doing it on purpose, like saying, okay, I'm going to go there, and I, and I need to... I need to talk to a few influencers. I need to get five new business cards in my hand and set up 
one or two more follow-on appointments. I need to have, you know, I need to get three appointments a week. I need to have ten discussions a week, right? Whatever it was, I'd set up the funnel. And it's really the beginning of a sales funnel, right? That's what I teach in my sales training, too, is, you know, we have to have metrics, the input metrics, and those drive the output. And if you're not focused on the input metrics and you're only focused on the output, you'll never get there. So it was just, it's, it's so simple and so obvious once you do it. <laughs> but it was a great piece of advice that was very, very, very helpful. So if you could jump in the time machine to the start of your career, maybe your coaching career, maybe at the start of your business career, what would you tell yourself? What would I tell myself? Well, certainly that lesson at the beginning of my coaching practice was to be much more engage much more numbers driven and sort of input driven to the process and I and I wasn't I, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm good at math I love doing math but I'm, I, I, I say I'm good at math I don't necessarily love doing a lot of math <laughs> you're capable of doing yeah, yeah. yeah I always got great grades in mathematics but it uh, but it's not something that I run to I'd run to rather you know building relationships and things but it's it's being more disciplined about setting yourself goals and not letting yourself miss one of those goals. So if I have to make 10 phone calls today, I'm going to make 10 phone calls today, right? Whatever I need to fill my pipeline in sales, you've got to stick to some kind of a, a input metric like that, like 10 phone calls, 10 emails, 10 meetings, whatever it is, 10 of each, right? So, uh, But having that kind of discipline to, to follow up on really what pays off in the end. Last but certainly not least, for those that want to find out more about you or professional business coaches, where can they go? Oh, well, we're, we're all, many different places. So we're on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, Twitter. But uh, the easiest place is, is our website, theprofessionalbusinesscoaches.com. That's the and then professional business and then coaches, plural, dot com. Or you can just put in BernieHeinen.com, and uh, that goes also right to my website. So, Thank you so much for doing this. This was fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. I really appreciate this. You make this uh, very easy. easy.